I've used the word intimacy a number of times this weekend in connection with mindfulness of the body. And this is intimacy, this presence, this listening, this receiving, this not changing, not pushing away, not denying. being an interested presence, a loving presence. Tara Brock uses the expression loving, the, loving presence uh, almost interchangeably or perhaps interchangeably with mindfulness. a phrase I really connect with. The word intimacy is, is usually used uh, to, to express, you know, in our common um, Language. It's usually used to express uh, intimacy with another person. Um, a close relationship could be sexual. It could be just. A, it could be a very open, um, honest, clear relationship. So this intimacy is uh, usually understood to be with another person and um, and I'm using it in a much bigger way <clears throat> there's a Zen teacher um, Dogen who said enlightenment is intimacy with all things there's a little phrase for you Patricia <laughs> Enlightenment is intimacy with all things. And it begins within our own being. We experience intimacy with all things, not only with this body-mind, within our own being. So, intimacy is not about <coughs> controlling what we're going to be intimate with. <clears throat> we can't say, well, I'll be intimate with pleasant feelings, but not unpleasant ones. Or I'll be intimate with um, unpleasant ones, but kind of take the pleasant ones as that's par for the course. Or I, I'll be intimate with things I'm comfortable with, but not things that, that I get fearful about. Mm. So this, uh, just this presence to the mystery. 
Intimacy is about not knowing, oddly enough. It's not about knowing. It's about inquiring. It's about staying present, being interested, learning. I've been very conscious this weekend that we have we have a an emerging life in our midst. We have uh, uh, a woman who is carrying a child. You know, so intimate to be carrying a child, and it's such a mystery to to have that life emerging. This being um, not being known. You know, wondering who is this being who is going to be so much a part of my life. Uh, and there, there's that's such a deep intimacy, and it's such a a mystery. It's such an experience of of not knowing. Mm. And then there's the wanting to know, but we can just just have to be with that wanting. There's a um, a Zen koan, which is really the only Zen koan I've ever. Um, paid very much attention to. Uh, and um, it's a conversation between a Zen master and a student. And Dizang is the Zen master, and the student is named Fayan. And so Dizang asks Fayan, Where are you going? And Fayan answers, around on pilgrimage. And Dizang asks, well, what is the purpose of pilgrimage? And Fayan responds, I don't know. And Dizang says, not knowing is most intimate. So, our life, often life is referred to as a pilgrimage, and and maybe that's really the conversation between Dizang and Fayan. What is the purpose of our lives? I don't know. I don't know. Does it help to put a word on it? Say, the purpose of life is this or that. It's life just living. Life is living through us. Life is manifesting in so many myriad creative ways that, you know, it's, uh, we can only, you know, uh, putting our, our, our concepts on this whole a mysterious um, unfolding is uh, it seems so um, small when we think that each one of us is an expression of all of life 
each one of us is uh, the world. And the world comes into being through us. So we are, um, we're thinking of returning to uh, our homes, our neighborhoods, our, our activities, and, uh, and each one of us has people in our lives. Um, you know, maybe we live with a significant other, maybe we have significant others who are more distant, parents, siblings, children, um, dear friends. Um, and so we're possibly thinking about reconnecting with them and, and whatever we've discovered about ourselves in, this, in, the, in the course of this uh, retreat, you know, so how will it connect? And, and can we bring it into that relationship? Can we, can we express it? Can we be fully ourselves? You know, sometimes that's a question that comes up. How can we do that? And, um, and so, you know, it's really important to be with the not knowing in that. Uh, and to, to realize that also this any other, whether it's a, a, a person with whom we have a close relationship or a person with whom we have a more formalized relationship, such as a, at work or, um, uh, you know, in some kind of function, that each one is that... Um, that unfolding mystery, evolving, changing. <clears throat> we don't know, you know, sometimes we, uh, we approach our, our relationships uh, with the attitude that um, so-and-so, whether it's, you know, a partner or a family member or a friend, so-and-so has a problem and they need to, you know, do something about it. They need to fix it. And we know how they should do it. <laughs> uh, and we don't know that they have a problem. We don't know how their life should be unfolding. We may, perhaps we can observe that they are creating suffering in their own lives, in the lives of people around them. Perhaps we can observe that. But we don't know what will come out of that. And we don't know necessarily what they need. So we can be present within ourselves, we can be present with them. We can care. 
we can offer support and you know just like within ourselves <coughs> just like within ourselves sometimes uh, an emotion or an experience just needs the space to be received to to allow itself to manifest and be known and and then it can move on and change into something else. Um, so often people just need the space to be received, the space to be uh, accepted. And, and we can observe then you know, what happens in that space? What happens in the loving space that we create to, um, to give this person we care about just the room to feel what they feel and be what they need to be? I, I remember reading somewhere um, it was quite a, a few years ago, I, and it, it, it really stuck in my mind. You know, it was it was sort of when I began to teach, and I read somewhere that a teacher creates a I think the word was a vortex, a vortex of space and love. I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. A vortex of space and love. I want to do that. (laughs) 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 When we experience pain in our own lives, Um, when we experience difficult emotions, jealousy, resentment, um, fear, pride. Pride is a difficult emotion because it's always accompanied by fear. There's always a we feel proud, you know, in 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 a in a in a selfing way. Sometimes we just feel great about something that we've done, and and you know something has just happened between us, and and some people call that proud. Uh, I, I'm not talking about that. I I kind of call that joy, um, but uh, pride is more like a self thing. Um, yeah, anything in which we kind of fix ourselves uh, in in some kind of uh, self-absorbed, self-fixated uh, way, and um, 
And then, very often, you know, when we're not being mindful, or if we misunderstand what mindfulness is, our, our first reaction is to, you know, mentally slam the door on that. You know, slam the door on the unpleasant or the difficult emotion. And um, I've, talked, I've talked about this to a certain extent uh, this weekend, you know, how important it is to give space to, uh, to these difficult emotions. But it's, it's really, um, it's one of the most challenging things in practice. Not only because painful emotions are painful, and therefore, you know, uh, it's difficult to be with them, but also because of the conditioning of the mind around what spiritual practice is. Um, people have this really strong idea that spiritual practice is about perfecting the mind, um, perfecting, uh, getting rid of, purifying the mind of, of all uh, negative emotions of greed, of hatred, of ill will, of, uh, of pride, of uh, jealousy. And, and that's not what this practice is about. This practice is about seeing the selfless, impermanent, and suffering nature of those qualities of mind. And, um, and therefore, we become non-attached to them, non-identified with them. But they're part of the human experience, and they come up. We feel them. And if we are hating them, if we're trying to get rid of them, if we're rejecting them, then we're rejecting our humanity, and we're rejecting a large part of the of the world. So, so what I'm uh, encouraging you to cultivate is an acceptance an acceptance, um, an openness. While knowing that this is not self. There's a little um, acronym that's often taught (coughs) about working with difficult emotions. Um, R-A-I-N, RAIN. It's just, you know, it helps to bring it to mind. So, so the first thing is to recognize that, that we're suffering. You know, and it's not always evident because we get caught in these habits of running away from suffering, right? Distracting ourselves. Um, and, and often it's through the body. You know, often it's through distracting ourselves through... Um, sense indulgence, sense pleasures. So this is why 
sense restraint is a really important part of the teachings. So that we're not, you know, just continuing to, um, you know, turn that wheel of samsara. You know, same old, same old habit of running away from our own suffering by, you know, the quick fix, the little, the quick pleasure, uh, and then, and then what? You know, more or another. So, so recognizing. And then opening, so not slamming that door, <coughs> but, you know, breathing in, being present, stopping. The Buddha sometimes talked about stopping. He said once uh, that when he was, he uses the expression, um, a mere bodhisattva, so before he is his awakening, his complete awakening, um, that sometimes he would be walking and there would be this arising of something, greed, you know, for example. And he'd just stop. He would just, you know, in mid-step, you know, reaching for a cup or whatever he was doing, he'd just stop. And he would observe the rising and passing away of that. He would, he would not move until he had um, fully seen the impermanent nature of that experience. So that's so clear. You know, the Buddha's not saying you have to push it away, you know, you have to never experience it. Uh, now, one of the interesting things, if you read, if you read the, you know, some of those um, discourses, uh, the, the middle-length middle discourses, it's a, it's a wonderful book. If you're looking, uh, there, there are more of the discourses, but that one has some of the most important of the Pali suttas and um, uh, so if you're looking to buy a, a Dharma book and they're great, I find them great reading um, in a particular style uh, and um, there are so many stories of the Buddha encountering Mara all of these conversations that the Buddha has with Mara you know, this personification of ignorance. You know, so, so if the Buddha, you know, so you might say, well, if the Buddha was so awakened, you know, why was, he st- why was Mara still showing up? And, and so, you know, even, even uh, to the Buddha, these uh, delusive thoughts would appear, you know, but, but he wasn't, he would always engage in this conversation with Mara, you know, and, he, and he'd say, I see you, Mara. I see you. You know, and then, you know, he'd have this, and Mara would, you know, try to confront him with something, like uh, um, try to snag him. And, uh, and then the Buddha would, you know, stay very clear. And, uh, and poor Mara would kind of slump off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> so, so our our minds, our bodies, um, you know, uh, 
certainly for you know for those of us who are uh, you know far from being even you know the mere bodhisattva <laughs> the Buddha often talked about um, you know uh, two kinds of people he would con- contrast the attitudes of you know the untutored disciple, the untutored worldling, the untutored worldling, and and the noble disciple. So, um, so the untutored worldling was the person who didn't have a practice, and the noble disciple was the person who did. And I think we go back and forth. Sometimes we're the untutored worldling, and sometimes we're the noble disciple. So it's not that we're one or the other. So, uh, so we need we need to remember sense restraint, uh, so that we don't try to escape. We need to um, to open to our difficult emotions. Uh, yeah, I sorry, I I digressed and I I got only got halfway through rain, so there was uh, recognizing and accepting. And then, uh, and then the I is the, um, the bringing the inquiry, the inquiry. Uh, so inquiry is is not about an analytical thing. It's about it's about not looking away. It's about inquiring, investigating what is the nature of this experience. Um, really moving into it. And this, for me, this inquiry um, is done so well in the body. You know, what is the nature of feeling, of, of experiencing pleasant, of experiencing unpleasant, of experiencing neutral? You know, what are neutral feelings? How are they known in the body? What are emotional states or mental states? Uh, mental states such as um, ill will or uh, sloth or restlessness uh, or desire. You know, so, so these mental states of which pervade the body with a quality of energy and, and investigating this without resistance and also without a sense of this is me this is mine so the N is the non-identification investigating and and really seeing that this is arising from causes and conditions it's selfless it's flowing, it's changing it's becoming something else you know, when I, when I bring the attention to the knot in my stomach, you know, and, uh, and I let it have space to be, to be known, um, it shifts, it opens, it, it becomes something else. And so this, this investigation really <coughs> brings us into uh, a direct knowing of impermanence. You know, and this is this is the source of wisdom. 
And this is the source of equanimity. Now, when we know that everything is changing, everything is becoming something else, when we know that it's arising from causes and conditions, we can be more at peace with our experience. We can be more at peace in the world. It doesn't mean that we don't do our part, perhaps something we feel called to do in the world, to contribute uh, toward you know, a diminishing of violence and a more presence of peace. But we also have the equanimity of knowing that we're not in control of all the causes and conditions. Um, we're a part. We're a part of the unfolding life. <coughs> So, becoming intimate with ourselves, becoming intimate in the body, knowing the whole world in the body, the four elements, and knowing that this body is the world and the world is this body. Seeing the rivers, the oceans, and, uh, and knowing this is my body. The sky, the clouds, the sun, this is my body. Seeing, looking around and seeing our neighbors, our, our friends, this is also my body. I'd like to end with a one of my very favorite poems um, by Roger Keyes. It's called Hokusai Says. <clears throat> Hokusai is a um, was. A, um, a Japanese uh, painter and watercolorist. Um, uh, has some just wonderful um, works. What, one of his most famous is that tsunami wave, which uh, you've probably all seen. Um, does animals and landscapes so beautifully. Mm. Hokusai says, Hokusai says, look carefully. He says, keep looking, stay curious. He says, there is no end to seeing. He says, look forward to getting old. He says, keep changing. 
You just get more who you really are. He says, get stuck, accept it. Repeat yourself as long as it's interesting. He says, keep doing what you love. He says, keep praying. He says that every one of us is a child. Everyone is ancient. Every one of us has a body. He says that every one of us is frightened. He says that every one of us has to find a way to live with fear. He says everything is alive. Shells, buildings, people, fish, mountains, trees, wood is alive, water is alive. Everything has its own life. Everything lives inside us. He says, live with the world inside you. He says it doesn't matter if you draw or write books. It doesn't matter if you saw wood or catch fish. It doesn't matter if you sit at home and stare at the ants on your veranda or the shadows of the trees and grasses in your garden. It matters that you care. It matters that you feel. It matters that you notice. It matters that life lives through you. Contentment is life living through you. Joy is life living through you. Satisfaction and strength is life living through you. Peace is life living through you. Peace is life living through you. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Look, feel, let life take you by the hand. Let life live through you. Sit for a few minutes.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.